Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Marty Harding. And I'm Jordan Walden. And welcome back to another episode of Animation and Beyond. Yes, we're back with our favorite guest, Jordan, who's here to talk about a very special subject this week. We've got the incredible 100th anniversary of Disney. That's not Disneyland. That's not Disney Resort. That's not Disney Pictures. That's Disney as a thing. Beginning in 1923, we were graced with the presence of Disney. And it's 2023, so that's been 100 years. Checks out. Yep, I know. Yep. And we're excited to go through a bunch of different things about Disney and how cool it is that it's been this long. And we're going to go ahead and jump right into it this week, starting with Disney as a person. Jordan, tell us about Walt Disney as a person. Of course. Well, Walt Disney, um, well, he was born in 1901, which was 122 years ago as of 23. And uh, he wanted to have an experience of bringing entertainment to the people. And he had visions of future like in his mind, but then he needed some help. So he was helping out during the World War One. And then after World War One, he decided to go back into the entertainment business. And then he started by creating these animation cartoons. Like first, he started with, a, uh, I think it's called a rabbit or a bunny. Anyway, he named Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And he made a few cartoons of it, but it didn't make that much, much hits. Then. But uh, then he started on another cartoon called a mouse called Mickey Mouse. And then when he made it in Steamboat Willie, he made like, like a lot of views back then. And I'm not sure how they did it back in the old days in the 1920s, but it did want to have made a few, a lot of audience happy. And then he created more of those shorts of Mickey and his friends, Scooby and Donald Duck. And then he started making actual feature films like Snow White, Pinocchio, and all those stuff, including Lion King. And then he had visions of like future. And he, it's like he was looking at Epcot at Disney World in Florida in his mind. And he wanted to have a theme park of it. So we can have people experience of what the future could be like with this fancy technology. So you're saying that Walt Disney was literally picturing what he could create in his mind that whole time? Yep, that's right. Was he was he ever trained in any art or anything like that, or was it just a hobby? I think it was just a hobby, yeah. Or maybe he did have a mentor. I'll have to look that up later this week. But uh, yeah, he had like an incredible imagination. Like, uh, he started by building a little mini train set, and then he turned it into an actual railroad at the theme parks, and then he, uh, what else did he inspire? Well, he also inspired, like, a lot of people to go out and follow their dreams and uh, keep looking forward to the future, and uh, and then he they always build these statues of him and Mickey Mouse holding hands at the theme parks and also at the actual studio itself, where they make all the movies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to me how centered Walt Disney is in the company. It's not like other CEOs and creators of other companies where they're just kind of, you know, they're, I guess, the figurehead, but, you know, nothing is very personal about them within the company. Walt Disney's company and Disney is totally a child of Walt's imagination. And you can totally see that. And every time you hear people talk about Walt Disney, it reigns true. Ezra, was there anything you wanted to say about Walt Disney as a person? I forgot to mention he also did a series of live-action animated shorts with early his early characters called Alice Comedies. When did those happen, Ezra? Alice Comedies were from 1923 until 1927. 
Ah, uh, gotcha. So you, that's that's that early period that Jordan was talking about. Yeah. And how were those original comedies made? Interesting, like how they did in the 1920s, very like 100 years ago, very different. How were they made? Like using animation and live action. I think the technique they used a girl who played Alice, who appeared with animated cartoons, and they were all in black and white. Were they all hand-drawn? Yeah. Gotcha. So that was back when Walt Disney himself was hand-drawing all of those frames, putting them alongside a real person? Yes, and they were silent. Mm. So I think those were his, like, his early versions. Like, like before, before Mickey Mouse came to the top, those were, like, his, like an early start. Yeah. So people probably aren't very aware of them nowadays. Um, Walt Disney in the 30s, before he did a feature film, did Silly Symphonies. That's right. Like Steamboat Willie, like Jordan said. Yes. And like Flowers and Trees, the first ever cartoon in full color. And the Academy Award winning Three Little Pigs short. Yep, that's right. That's right. I remember that one. Nice. Those pigs are famous. I feel like they pop up in other Disney content over the next hundred years. It's some of the many versions of the very famous fairy tale we all know as the Three Little Pigs. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then he started actual feature films. Uh, Starting with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. That's right. So we'll have the 100th anniversary of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves coming up here. I know. It first came out in 1937, and the film was a success. And Disney's developing a live-action remake of it for next year. Of course they are. They're doing live-action remakes of everything these days. Yeah, and uh, I just heard... I'm not sure if it's true, but I heard online saying that they're going to make a live action of that uh, Disney film that came out in 2016, Moana. That was yesterday, I know. Yeah, I was like, man, they're really making live actions already? I mean, should they wait at least until it gets to its 10th anniversary or something? Yeah, yeah I know. Interesting. This year, there's going to be live action remakes of Peter Pan and The Little Mermaid. Yeah, but those are older films. I'm with you, Jordan. I think that live action remakes are... You know, they need to be delayed a little bit after the movie comes out. Mm. Let us still enjoy the movie, especially a movie like Moana. It has to become a classic, and it can't be a classic when it's only been out for, what, eight years? Yeah. Yeah, like The Lion King, for example. It came out in 1994, and the live action of it came out in 2019. 25 years later. The one thing about the live action remakes that are coming out right now is that I do appreciate, like for Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, that that movie will introduce kids now to a movie that they probably otherwise wouldn't see because it's so old. I mean, I don't think parents these days are showing their kids Snow White and Sleeping Beauty, but it seems weird for a kid not to know those stories. So the fact that they're remaking them is going to still introduce those kids, which I think is kind of cool. And Snow White is pretty little scary, too. I've heard that, too. Yeah. And the evil queen turning into a witch was scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the way she got lost in the woods and the spooky trees. When I used to watch that as a kid, I, I used to be a little scared of that scene. Ooh, me too. So, Ezra, you wanted to talk about a little more about Walt Disney's career? Like, a few years after Snow White was Pinocchio, introduced the iconic song we all know as When You Wish Upon a Star. Of course. It's basically the theme song of Disney. Yes. Well, it was not initially a financial success, but during its re-releases, it was more successful. Um, and then Fantasia, which was a which was a film filled with music and symphony and magic. 
It was, though I will say, I thought that the bucket scene with all the water buckets was scary in Fantasia. Yeah, the brooms were kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Uh, but I thought Mickey with a sorcerer out was pretty neat. The, the sorcerer who's Mickey's mentor is named Jensen, which is Disney spelled backwards. That's so clever. I did not notice that. Yeah. And uh, some of those other Disney movies with other package features, like uh, Fun and Frenzy Free has two types of animation shorts, like Bongo, the circus bear who fell in love with the wild bear. And the other one is called, it's like a tale of Jack and the Beanstalk, except it's called Mickey and the Beanstalk. And it said that before it turned into a package feature, they were supposed to be in two separate feature films. But unfortunately, it was in production during the years of World War II. So they didn't have time to uh, make them all into separate feature films. So they put them into a package feature instead. And same with other films of the time, like Three Caballeros, um, Saludos Amigos, Make My Music, Melody Time, and The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. They would not do another full-length feature until Cinderella. Wow. Now, those package feature films, were those shorter than a normal feature film? Yeah, like, well, they were all, like, just a tiny bit over an hour. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so you know, the whole film is an hour, but each short and in the movie, like, has its own separate story. Each one lasts for, like, five or six minutes, I think. Or maybe ten. Interesting. I mean, that makes sense, because as we've talked about before when talking about older animation techniques... Those films required a ton of work. They were still drawing everything that required all of those in-betweeners. If it was wartime, they might not have access to that kind of manual labor and time. Hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, because I heard that most of those employees mm-hmm. had to go help and help the war those years. And they only had a little bit of employees for that. Yeah, and they were probably a lot of women because women were the ones left over. I see, yeah. Yep. I know that... Um, Cinderella was Disney's first full-length feature film to be an actual feature since Dumbo and Bambi. So he came back swinging with another Cinderella or with another fairy tale movie. Yep, that's right. Yes. And now, arguably, I feel like Cinderella is known as the classic Disney film, so much so that if you ask people now what they think was the first Disney movie, they would probably guess Cinderella. When it's actually Snow White. Yeah. And then the following films after that were other famous classics like Alice in Wonderland, and then Peter Pan, and then Lady and the Tramp, and then Sleeping Beauty, the first which they switched to to Xerox copy after Ink and Pink was 101 Dalmatians, The Sword of the Stone, Winnie the Pooh, and also hybrid films such as Mary Poppins. And the last Walt Disney himself did before he died was The Jungle Book. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Jungle Book was the last... Uh, production that Walt Disney himself productive before he died of uh, cancer because mm. he was smoking a lot during those years. Oh, and- uh, yes. And I know Disneyland originally opened July 17th, 1955. Yeah, it was like the first. Uh, and then Walt Disney was there himself uh, when it when it opened. But when Disneyland first opened, some of the attractions weren't working very well. So they had to have a little bit of a uh, few days delay, I think. Yes. Or maybe months. Wow, so they delayed the whole opening of the park because the contraptions weren't working? Well, initially the years on the Dumbo ride flapped, but because they broke off easily, they changed that. Oh, that's probably smart. You don't want people getting hurt on your rides right after you open. Yeah, exactly. 
So Disneyland opens, and Walt Disney's there for that, but he wasn't alive for the opening of Disney World. It opened five years after his death. Yeah, it was uh, 1971, and um, and they wanted to do a theme park uh, along with the Magic Kingdom, which was the first theme park. They wanted to do a theme park that's like of what Walt Disney experienced of the future, so they call it Epcot. Yeah, they put a lot of futuristic stuff in it, like a test track, a mission to space, a, a spaceship Earth, where you can see history go by, and then they built a world, show, a world showcase around it, like each pavilion of each country, like Mexico, uh, Paris, Japan, China, um, Italy, Morocco, France. Uh, I was there recently two months ago. Nice. Epcot was Disney World's second park, which opened 11 years after Magic Kingdom opened. So Epcot was made to capture what Disney thought the future was going to look like. How does Epcot as the future compare, Ezra, to the actual future, which is now, the present day? Like some of the technology they did, they predicted might have been a little too soon. And there's a, still the world today is pretty advanced and technological, yet at the same time, it's still evolving. Totally. And what about the mission to space? We did go to space, right? Yeah. I mean, but we've walked on the moon, so that hadn't happened yet when Walt Disney died, right? No, no. Like, it was like when Neil Armstrong, the first man ever to go to the moon, uh, made history. 1969. So, yeah, it was definitely after Walt Disney died. Yep. So it's kind of cool that, you know, he got to create his vision of the future and that now we're getting to see how it compares to the actual future. I know, that's right. Yep. I know that Disney's third park, Tokyo Disneyland, opened in April of 1983. Yeah, they built like Disney parks all over the world, like Tokyo, Paris, Hong Kong. And Shanghai. I've been to the Disneyland in Hong Kong. In fact, that's the only Disneyland I've been to. Really? You haven't been to any ones in America? Nope. Whoa. I went to the one in Hong Kong and I thought it was wild. I bet you felt that way when you went to Disney World, huh, Ezra? Yeah, I did. When you wish upon a star, make no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come. The Little Mermaid, which is soon going to get a remake, that's live action, was first released in November of 1989. And it's what started the Disney Renaissance. That's right. And remind us what the Disney Renaissance was. A period of like films that were like animated and like successful and memorable. Most of them were musicals and had like recurring themes of like heroes and heroines. Many of them were had music by Alan Menken. So it was sort of the revival of the grand Disney hero story, similar to the very early films like Snow White, before Disney had like a, an interlude with Alice in Wonderland and Lady and the Tramp, and it was kind of weird and different story plots. This period was, you know, a more traditional storyline, but with a really high quality of production. Yeah. And like followed by Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and the Lion King. Which are all classics. Yep, they sure are. I know that in the 2000s, Disney, I know, had an experimental age, which some may regard as Disney's second dark age, because there are films that weren't as successful, with the exceptions being films like Emperor's New Groove and Lilo and Stitch. 
because they Pixar did successful movies, which were like Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wally, and Up, which were all a critical and commercial success. Yeah, it's true. And that's around the time when all three of us were kids. So we were seeing, you know, the hits when we were little were the Pixar movies. And then the older films that we saw were old Disney movies. The Disney movies that came out when we were little, I don't remember really being as excited about. Yeah, like basically we were watching like the old classics on VHS or DVD or something when we were we were really small. The technology was different from what it's like today. Yeah, totally. The exceptions of Disney films that were actually successful, actually made by Disney itself, were ones like Emperor's New Groove, Lilo and Stitch, and Bolts. Yes, but I don't think any of those compared in success to The Incredibles. Well, Lilo and Stitch was a critical and financial success. And also, it's not just uh, Pixar, also it's other traditional animations. Well, uh, the Walt Disney Company also shared some movies with Tim Burton when they made uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. James and the Giant Peach, and also Frankenweenie. In the 2001, Disneyland opened its second park, California Adventure. But for several years, not as many people went. Not as many people found it exciting. A lot more people find it exciting and fun today. Interesting. So Disney opens this third park and is expanding to work with Tim Burton and Pixar in these years. So since 2000, we've seen a lot more collaboration. And I think that's in part because, well, Walt Disney's not around to come up with all of his incredible ideas, but also probably because like any company, over time you have to adapt. And part of adapting is changing how you do things. And it's helpful to collaborate when you change how you do things. And it, and yeah, and Disney's also partners with uh, Marvel superheroes and Star Wars. That's right. And Disney's Revival Age started with The Princess and the Frog, where they once again went back to their former glory of some big successful movies. Princess and the Frog, Tangled, Frozen, Zootopia, Moana, Big Hero 6, Wreck-It Ralph, and others. All excellent films. And now I would say we're in the Disney live-action remake era. (laughs) I'm a positive person. I like that Disney has remade a lot of films and are still planning on doing that. I, I love that they're doing that, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, sometimes when you watch the live action compared to animation, it kind of explains more about the origin stories of each character. Like, uh, for example, uh, in the cartoon movie of Aladdin, uh, they didn't get to talk about Princess Jasmine's mother because all, all that we saw was her father, the Sultan. But in the live action, they explained more that Princess Jasmine's mother comes from a different town, from another country. But they didn't do it in the animation. Yeah, got it. Yeah, I see what you mean. That is true. When you remake a movie, you do get the chance to dive in deeper and explain a little more of the story. I agree. We've seen that in several of the live action remakes. And we'll probably continue to see it in others. Yeah. No, I'm not mad about the live action remakes either. It's just kind of funny that they're all coming out in a similar time. Well, let's wrap up. Any last things that we want to say about 100 years of Disney? They have brought magic everywhere for us for a centennial and will continue to in years to come. Yeah, I'm just like so, so impressed of how they did it for almost 100 years. All by one man himself, Walt Disney, 
and his pal Mickey Mouse. Yep. Absolutely. It's incredible that this source of wonder and joy has been so successful for so long, for so many generations. So with that, let's go ahead and answer last week's trivia question real quick. What other Nintendo, famous Nintendo franchise was made into a cartoon show in the 80s and 90s? Aside from Mario. And the answer is... Legend of Zelda. Which was not nearly as successful as Mario, but was there so you can go and watch Zelda as a TV show, which is super cool. And Legend of Zelda is one of the most famous video game franchises today. And I love Zelda personally. I think she's such a rock star, and so I'm glad she got her own show. And I like how Link's the hero who goes on a quest to save Zelda from the evil Ganon. All right. This week, we've got a trivia question about Disney. What year did Disney first uh, bought uh, Star Wars and also in the process of making the sequel trilogy? If you think you know the answer, be sure to listen to the next episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye. Thank you, Jordan, for joining us for this special episode. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. And we'll see you next time. Bye.